You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. Thank you very much. It's a, a joy to be here this morning and um, a real privilege to be able to speak to this wonderful family of God who has made uh, Christine and myself so welcome over the last two and a half years. So thank you. Um, last week, um, we had a, a great message uh, entitled Generous Jesus. I'm sure you remember it, how Jesus was so generous uh, towards his disciples after the resurrection. He, uh, if you like, invited them to breakfast by the Sea of Galilee. He spent time with them. He provided for them a, a wonderful, uh, miraculous draught of fish. Breakfast was served. He gave them his presence. He provided and he pardoned Peter in that wonderful way. We have a wonderful, generous God. And uh, today our title is, sorry, Give Generously, because uh, we have a generous God who wants us to be generous also. I was just thinking of an incident in my life. Uh, I won't say it was a defining moment, but... Uh, Christine and I were at a friend's wedding and we sat next to this young lady. She was perhaps about 17 and we just got into conversation. And I was so struck because she really wanted to know all about me. And she opened her ears and she listened intently. She reflected on what I said and I was amazed. I felt totally blessed because here was someone who's opened their heart and mind to hear what I had to say. She was giving her presence, her time, very generously to me. And I, I was really touched by that. Giving generously can be with time, with money, with our gifts. It it's, touches every area of life. And with our pardon also. Let's have big hearts that never withhold forgiveness to others. And that's, that's a hard thing if you've been really hurt. This morning we're going to, uh, thinking about the Apostles Paul's teaching, um, but the word generously means to give willingly and sincerely with no ulterior motive. The early church was full of generous people. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. That was a characteristic of those very new believers. Now here we have a map. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and uh, he, in his first letter, he, uh, he's instructed every member to set aside... Um, prepare a gift of money for the poor believers at Jerusalem. And when Paul visited them again, he would send this gift to Jerusalem. And they'd be very happy to do this. They were all pleased and happy to prepare this gift. But in his second letter, he has to remind them, this letter was written about a year later, he has to remind them um, to finish what they had committed themselves to do. So our Bible reading today comes from 2 Corinthians 1, verses 1 to 15. And first of all, we find an example 
to follow. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. Paul is reminding the Corinthians about the Macedonian believers, those in the churches of Philippi and Thessalonica. They saw sacrificial giving as a privilege because they understood just how much God loved them. Paul speaks about their overflowing joy. And joy comes when we recognize the greatness of God's love for us. And they had given themselves first to the Lord. You see, because they realized the great love of God for them in Christ, they gave themselves fully to the Lord. When we give ourselves fully to the Lord, we understand that we don't own anything anymore. It's all his. We are merely stewards of what he has given us. Our time, our money, our health, our gifts, our homes, nothing belongs to us. We're not owners, but we have been entrusted with these things to use for God's glory. I wonder if you've understood that. Last year, um, 2017 I think it was, Christine and I had the privilege of meeting a North Korean Christian who had been three and a half years in a prison camp. They had very, very little food to eat, just a little bit of rice and uh, water and a few very basic rations every day. The Lord encouraged her to share her food with other prisoners who needed it more than she did. She had so little, and yet she shared her food. And through that gracious act of giving, five other people came to believe in the Lord Jesus, and they formed a church in the toilet, an example to follow. Next point, we have an encouragement to action. What about us? Paul goes on. So we urge Titus, since he had early, earlier made a beginning, to bring also this <coughs> to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but we want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Paul encourages the Corinthians to excel in this grace of giving by sending Titus to help them, reminding them of their many gifts and also the example of the Macedonians. The sincerity of their love would be revealed by their actions. The Corinthian church was very gifted. And if we read the first letter, we discover that they excelled in many spiritual gifts. They had many problems within their church, but they had many gifts that God had given them. And Paul wants them to excel in this gift 
of generosity. The Lord wants to help you to be generous. He wants to encourage you in this area. Uh, many years ago, I used, to, uh, I used to live in a place called Mitcham in Surrey. And um, I lived in lodgings. Um, but quite often I'd go home to my family in Sussex. I had this little Morris Minor called Boris the Morris, by the way. And um, <clears throat> I used to have a little tape recorder on the seat by me. And occasionally I'd listen to sermons. And on one occasion, I listened to a sermon entitled Miracles Through Giving. And it was all about that the preacher was speaking about the feeding of the 5,000. And how the little boy gave his five loaves and two fish to Jesus. And Jesus multiplied it to feed a multitude. And uh, the challenge was to give Jesus what you have and he will use it. And uh, of course the little boy was blessed because he had plenty of food later, much more than he started with, because there were 12 baskets left over. When I got home, I went upstairs, and, and just as I went through the door, I picked up this uh, leaflet that said, uh, bric-a-brac and musical instruments wanted. I don't quite know what it was for. When I went upstairs, I saw my guitar, which I was very fond of. And the Lord challenged me to put the guitar in a plastic bag and put it outside for this charity to collect the next day. That was a big challenge. I loved my guitar, and I did. I went to work the next day. The bag was outside the door, and I was hoping and hoping that when I got back, the guitar would still be there. But it wasn't. It was gone. Now, you may think that was crazy, but you know, God was doing something in my life. He was breaking the, the bondage of materialism because for me, what my, was mine was mine. And it could be mine no longer. Thankfully, I have another guitar now. Um, but it was a lesson because God was encouraging me to be generous. Sometimes he asks us, to, he challenges us because he wants us to be truly free. Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. God wants to encourage you to be generous. So now we have a truth to believe, which is really the foundation of generosity. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Our motivation to be generous is our appreciation of God's love for us. I've got a small leaflet here um, entitled The Exchange Made at the Cross. What happened on that cross? Jesus was punished that you might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that you might be healed. Jesus was made sin with your sinfulness that you might be made righteous with his righteousness. Jesus died your death, that you might receive his life. Jesus endured your poverty, that 
you might share his abundance. Jesus bore your shame that you might share his glory. Jesus endured rejection that you might have his acceptance with the Father. Jesus was made a curse that you might enter into the blessing. The Apostle Paul summed it up. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself. That's why the communion is so important for us. We need constant reminders how much we are loved, how special and precious we are to God. But what Jesus did, though offered to all, would seem to be only accepted by a few. He came to his own people, the Jews, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to him gave he the power to become children of God. Have you received him? Have you received this great gift? Have you given yourself to the Lord as the Macedonians did? Then you will know the greatness of God's love in your life. Then you'll become a generous person, an error to, to avoid. Paul goes on. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Paul is concerned that the, Corinth that the Corinthians might fail to finish what they had begun willing to do. You see, they'd started to give, they started to prepare... And then it had come to an, a stop. In chapter 9, verse 7 of the same letter, he said, Each man should give what he has decided to give in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Yes, God wants us to give gladly and cheerfully. But he does not ask us to give what we don't have. He doesn't want us to go into debt. We need to make sure that this we, we, can, we can afford what he asks us to give but he does want us to fulfill our commitment and we may have to be, live more simply to do so someone has said we must live simply so that others may simply live it's very important when we commit to do something God has directed us that we complete it sometimes that can be very hard that's an error to avoid. But also we need to give cheerfully and willingly. And finally, a principle to observe. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality as it is written. He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Paul reminds the Corinthians that when the Israelites gathered the manna in the wilderness, everything, everyone had what they needed. God wants us to share so that we can all be blessed. He goes on in chapter 9 to tell them, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, 
having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and it will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Just like that little boy who gave his five loaves and two fish and had much more at the end. So when we give, God always gives that back and more because he's very generous. Sometimes we have to take a, a real step of faith to give generously. But when God guides us, we will find that he will never let us down. The Bible is full of examples. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. We can never outgive God. And of course, Jesus tells that wonderful story of the, the poor widow who gave all she had to live on. Perhaps she gave what the Lord lead, led her to do. I'm sure she did. And, and maybe she couldn't afford it. Maybe what I said before wasn't right. Sometimes we're asked to really give uh, really sacrificially. But we can never outgive God. Look what he's done for us. So we have an example to follow. We must understand how much God loves us and give ourselves fully to him. We have an encouragement to action. The Lord wants to help you to be generous. We have a truth to believe. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. We have an, uh, an error to avoid. God does not ask us to give what we don't have, but he wants us to fill our commitment cheerfully and we have a principle to observe we can never never outgive god because he's so generous shall we pray <clears throat> our gracious god we thank you that you're always looking out for us we thank you for providing for us we thank you for bringing us to this place you provided this college you brought us you provided each other we are part of an amazing family. We pray that our hearts will be always full of gratitude and you'll help us to share with our time, with our money, with our forgiveness and all that we have and that you will be honoured through it all. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.